To those of you listening to us on the internet, to the men and women in our armed forces, wherever you may be, to our members and guests here at beautiful Savior Lutheran in Milwaukee, grace be to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning I'm departing from the standard readings for a reason that I'll mention in a few moments. Psalm 139, verses 13 and 16. You alone created my inner being. You knitted me together inside my mother. Your eyes saw me when I was only a fetus. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, my beloved. This past week I happened to see an interview, one of the television stations where the interviewer interviewed three 20-somethings, two women and a man, who escaped their abortion. The abortion was intended, but for some reason they lived. And due to the recent uh, new legislation in the city of New York, in the uh, state of New York, with the Reproductive Health Act, I felt that I would be remiss to leave the truth unspoken. The Reproductive Health Act, the state of New York. It strips abortion now from the um, state's criminal code and places it into the health code. It expands those who can perform abortions from midwives, not only physicians, and others. It legalizes abortion after 24 weeks of pregnancy, right up to the time and even after birth. And it even forces insurance companies to cover contraceptive devices and abortion. Way back when, in 1973, when Roe v. Wade was enacted, Christians said, I think we're on a slippery slope. If you ask me, I think we've hit very bottom. The devil likes to uh, disguise the truth with his euphemistic lies. Reproductive Health Act. What is abortion? I mean, let's state what abortion is, the truth. It's the proactive termination of living human embryos or fetuses And now it even legalizes the termination of human life just prior to or even after birth. And you know what the godless justification is? Just prior to or even after birth, if you want it to be a baby, then it's a baby. But if you don't want it to be a baby, then it's not a baby. Let 
This morning we want to talk about fact and truth and reality. And let me tell you, this whole mess that we're into now with this uh, abortion is not a political issue. And it's not a woman's issue. And it's not a health issue. And it's not a choice issue. And it's not a reproductive issue. It's a God issue. And it's a scripture issue. And it's a spiritual issue. It's estimated every year since Roe versus Wade that approximately one million babies are aborted. According to probably limited statistics ever since 1973 here in the United States, some 60 to 61 million babies have been aborted. Worldwide, somebody analyzed that there must be about 46 million abortions every year. So, Pastor Robbie, why talk talk about it this morning? I think you're preaching to the choir. We're all agreed on these issues. But by the devil, we can become desensitized to the horror. So many years, so many lives, the human brain can't even comprehend those numbers. What do you want to call it? The Holocaust? Recalls to our mind Nazi Germany exterminated six million Jews. What do you call it here today? Extermination of 61 million babies. What do you call it? Genocide? Infanticide? It's a nation murdering itself. So let's try to sensitize ourselves once again to this great horror. Why is life so sacred? Human life so sacred? Why are Christians so opposed to abortion and euthanasia? Because in God's word, you alone created my inner being. You knitted me together inside my mother. Your eyes saw me when I was only a fetus. Every day of my life was recorded in your book before one of them had taken place. Human life is a miracle. God creates it. And he plans every embryo and fetus. He planned it all the way back before he created the world. And again, we will talk to our godless friends and we will tell them that human beings are not the highest form of animal. Animals are created with a body and a life force, but no immortal, eternal souls. God created Adam and Eve. God created Adam and he breathed into them the breath of life. And so human beings are not only body, but eternal, immortal souls. Destined for either heaven or hell forever. And God only gives us one life to live. Only one time of grace, only one opportunity to come to faith in Jesus Christ. 
And faith, or lack of it, in Jesus Christ at the time of death determines your eternal destination. Abortion or euthanasia steals the time of grace from a person. Possibly sending that person to hell forever without an opportunity to believe in Jesus. Sacred human life begins at conception. There's no doubt about it. According to Scripture, there's no argument. It's all predetermined. I was shapen in iniquity, King David said in Psalm 51, and in sin did my mother conceive me. If you were already a sinner at conception, you were already a human being. If you really want to get very specific, in vitro fertilization, what do you do? Fertilize a bunch of eggs. Now you've got an embryo. And you throw a whole bunch of them away to just save one? What on earth are we doing? Let's call abortion and euthanasia what they really are. Murder and idolatry. Murder is the taking of a human life. Idolatry is the sacrificing of children. And this is nothing new. It goes way back into Old Testament days where God had to rebuke his people because they were sacrificing their infants to fire, into fire, to the God of Moloch. Today we're sacrificing our children to the gods of selfishness and convenience. And there is no doubt about it, no matter what you say, abortion stops a beating heart. So what should we do? First of all, certainly we have to repent of our indifference. Perhaps we have to get to know a little bit more about what Lutherans for Life is really doing. Somebody once calculated that Christians have 70% of the abortions. That means that someone you know, or perhaps you know of someone who had one, and a lot of times those women are hurting, and not only physically, but psychologically and spiritually and emotionally. Who will show God's compassion? And to talk to them and to recognize that there is forgiveness for their sins too. Show the sin, but also show God's forgiveness. Support life causes. I see that we uh, packaged up a whole bunch of stuff for the place of refuge. One of the few districts, I think, within the whole synod that has a place where women could go when they're convinced, no, I shouldn't have an abortion. Well, what are you going to do? Well, it's a place for them to live during their pregnancies when they have no other place to go. Or you can do what my wife did years and years ago. I think it was after our first child. We found out that the doctor that performed the first, uh, helped with the first birth was a pro-abortionist. And in fact, he actually uh, did abortions. And so we quit the doctor. Found somebody else. Respect the elderly. And that means when mom and dad are really old and if they happen to be plagued 
with that illness that nobody wants dementia and show compassion and understanding even when you don't want to. And respect the beauty of large, legitimate families. Maybe I told you that story way, way back when. Oh, my goodness. 10, 15, 20 years ago, I had to go to the hospital one time. There were some nurses putting in a special kind of intravenous, two of them, special group that had to deal with that special kind of intravenous. And along the way, as they were doing it, they said, oh, and how many children do you have? And I said, four. They said, oh, what? How could you have so many? How do you handle it? I remember way back, and my mother would tell me this, and this goes back to 1947. And when my dad and my uncles uh, came back from the war and they were starting to have children, and my parents never wanted to tell my grandmother, my paternal grandmother, that my mother was pregnant because she would feel so sorry, and how could you possibly handle that? How will you do it? How about our reaction to families that have six, seven, eight, nine, thirteen, fifteen children? Reaction of disbelief. Rather than blessing them and thanking the Lord. So many times I've counseled young adults who are going to get married, and I said, Well, how many children are you planning on having? They said, Oh, I don't know. One, maybe two. You know, they're really expensive. And you have to give everyone, treat them exactly alike. And they take a whole lot of time. And I would try to say, well, that's a matter of priorities. So what should we do? You can't individually run up to Washington, D.C. and uh, overturn uh, Roe versus Wade. What we can do is pray for the unborn, that God would protect them. Pray for the mothers who aborted their babies, because many are hurting with guilt and remorse, but there is forgiveness for them. And know the truth about the sanctity of human life. And live it in word and in deed wherever you are, even if it makes you unpopular. And most of all, we need to repent. Remember that life is sacred before birth, at birth, after birth, through all of our life, right up to the point of death. And we have a lot of confessing to do about the sanctity of human life for my pastoral confessional uh, book, Fifth Commandment. Do I treat my own body as a temple of the Holy Spirit? Or do I hurt or harm it by gluttony, chemical addiction, or other abuse? We haven't taken care of our bodies as we should have. We have to say, in all of these matters, along with King David, I have sinned against the Lord. And then we have to listen to his gracious words when he says, the Lord has also taken away your sins. You will not die. 
and listen to the words of Jesus to Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live, even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, I believe this. And help me to tell others, too, about the sanctity of life. God granted for Jesus' sake, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. The peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. We confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead whose kingdom will have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. We take this time to gather our tithes and our offerings and our connection cards. <laughs> 